and welcome to episode 645 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, checking in from beautiful Kuwait. Yes, I said it, Kuwait. We've been talking about it on the podcast here for a little while, and if you follow us on social media, you know that Beth and I have been in Kuwait. Yes, that Kuwait, working on a haunted house. Y'all know my wife, Beth. One of her dreams is to be a professional haunted house designer and to work professionally in the haunted house attraction industry. And an opportunity came up for her to come over to Kuwait and be the haunt manager for, well, the first permanent haunted house attraction here in this part of the world. This is an incredible opportunity, and of course I'm along for the ride as Arm Candy, and one of the actors as well. Now, this haunt is designed by Leonard Pickle, who is the country's foremost designer. He has been working in the industry for decades and has worked on everything from small March of Dimes houses to big projects with Universal Studios. He's designed the haunt. This whole thing is bankrolled by a group that has a ton of money that they're dumping into this project. And they flew Beth and I out here to work at it. And it has been an amazing experience. Unfortunately, it does mean that Monster Kid Radio ended up going on a brief hiatus. And I do apologize for that. However, I do have an episode of the podcast available for you today. This is a recording from the October 2023. It is still 2023, right? Yeah, 2023 Monster Bash where Mike Ramsey whipped out his recorder and recorded the Q&A with an actor from one of my absolute favorite Dracula movies, Zandor Vorkov from Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Yes, I know, this movie gets a lot of, I don't know, grief or, or uh, slack or, or flack. I don't know. I, I love this movie. This movie makes me very, very happy. Every time I watch it, I like it even more. And knowing that Zandor Vorkov, Dracula himself, was at Monster Bash for a Q&A. Man, I wish I could have been there. But I've got the next best thing. I've got Mike Ramsey recording the conversation for us here. So you've got that on this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. Plus, of course, we've got Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review, where he's still in the midst of the return of Ultraman. Plus, Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. That's all coming up right here. Now, as I started recording this on my portable recorder in our hotel room, Beth came into the room and sat down next to me. I kind of have the uh, impression she's putting off this uh, put me on the podcast vibe. This put me in coach kind of thing going on. So did you want to say something? Is that why you're here? Oh, uh, I just wanted to thank all our monster kids for, you know, continuing to follow us and follow this great adventure that we're on and look forward to in the next few episodes uh, our investigation into monsters in this part of the world and, and what monsters mate to them. I know we've been doing some research, we've been talking to some locals, I've been talking to a lot of my actors who are playing zombies in the uh, haunted house that we're producing and uh, I think we're going to come up with some interesting stuff. I'm, I'm really even hoping to have some movies to discuss before we're done here. So she didn't run any of that by me. I, I know that she and I have talked a little bit about doing some investigations into local monster stuff so that we can bring some Kuwaiti monster flavor to Monster Kid Radio. Uh, if she's got something in mind, you know, I'm on board because she usually has the better ideas between the two of us. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm totally down for that. Uh, it's been quite a ride. 
AmericanHunters.com is where you're going to be able to find everything about our trip here in Kuwait. Now, that does right now forward you to our Instagram page, which is also called American Haunters. Please follow us on Instagram because we're posting pretty much daily pictures from our lives here in Kuwait. Not a lot of pictures from the haunt itself. There's a couple of different reasons for that. One, there's an NDA. We did sign an NDA with our contract, so that is in place. So as of right now, we can't share too many behind-the-scenes secrets. However, I have been sapping a few pics here and there, and eventually I'll be sharing them. But also, who takes a camera into a haunted house? I don't want to spoil anything for everybody. So, you know, all of you that are listening in Kuwait, that makes no sense. I know none of you are in Kuwait. But eventually we'll put some posts out there that show a little bit more details of the haunt. However... If you want to see us kind of getting our kitty fix. <laughs> yeah, if you love small, furry, homicidal maniacs running loose in the streets of Kuwait, we have the Kuwaiti kitties of the day that we've been uh, recording and sharing with everyone. And boy, they're uh, a huge variety of colors and patterns and, and all kinds of loveliness levels. For those of you who might be concerned about kitties, speaking of which, Wednesday is safely at... Uh, my mother's house in Arizona. She inadvertently became a snowbird uh, this winter, so she is kicking it, living her best life in Arizona, where it is not snowing uh, like it is back in our hometown of Vancouver, Washington. Uh, so she's enjoying some time with her grandma, with my mother in Arizona, whereas Beth and I are feeding every stray cat we find. Specifically, Beth is. See, there are cats everywhere here in Kuwait, tons of cats on the streets. Uh, they are part of the culture. A lot of people put out food and water for them. Every time Beth and I go to the grocery store, we make sure uh, that we have cat food on us or we pick some more up if we need to because we want to feed the cats when we're out and about. And every once in a while, we get some love from them back, which has been nice. I mean, no replacement for Wednesday or Rex or Juniper, but, you know, it's something and we get our kitty fixed. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram for the Kuwaiti kitty of the day as well as random pictures from where we are in Kuwait and the occasional picture from the haunt. Like I said, eventually we will be putting more haunt content up there. Right now we're focusing primarily on us just being here in Kuwait. Uh, because Beth did just kind of drop something on you about something that's coming up on the podcast that I wasn't necessarily aware of, maybe it's time for me to share something on the podcast that she's not necessarily aware of. All right, so, you know, every time I make a commitment like this, it, it puts a little bit of pressure on me, but I'm going to put this out there because I kind of want y'all to hold me to it. This is a zombie haunt. This is BBT Red Town. BBT stands for the best burger in town. It is in conjunction with uh, Burger Restaurant. It's the company that's putting this whole thing together. Uh, and it's a zombie haunt. It's a hospital. It's set up to where you walk into a hospital, a doctor, usually played by me, welcomes you to Red Town Hospital for the Sick, where every arrangement has been made for your permanent stay. The so, food is delicious, but every bite could be your last. Wow. Okay, one, she came up without the top of her head, I'm assuming, and two, we don't really know we're vegetarian, but three, uh, everybody seems to like it, so, you know, anyway. It's a zombie haunt. You know, you go into a hospital, Turns out the doctor's doing some pretty creepy stuff, and there's zombies! Oh no! Well, guess who used to really be into zombies? Ding, 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 that would be me. I used to be a huge zombie fan. In fact, I used to put out a podcast called Mail Order Zombie many, many moons ago when the world was young and dinosaurs roamed the earth, or like 11 years ago. Which, as old as I feel these days, having just turned 50, uh, it's many, many moons ago. Anyway, 
this has started to reignite my love of zombie media. No, I'm not going to go crazy and launch Mail Order Zombie again. I'm not bringing back Mail Order Zombie, the podcast. However, I kind of want to bring back Mail Order Zombie in another form. I think, especially given the name of said property, I guess, what the podcast was, 2024, we will see the launch of the Mail Order Zombie zine. What, what do you think, Connie? You okay with that? Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. So it will be part of the Mail Order Zombie story. I'll talk about the podcast and that sort of thing. There will be some zombie reviews. Maybe I'll go back and look at some movie reviews that I did on the podcast many, many moons ago, blah, 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 and reevaluate them, see if they held up, that sort of thing. And maybe even talk about some new zombie stuff. Maybe interview some zombie people and maybe bring some people that were involved with Mail Order Zombie. <laughs> um, need to nickname Scott into the mix to see if he'd be interested in contributing anything or maybe even doing an interview with some previous contributors to that podcast. <laughs> need to nickname Scott. So yeah, you know, Mail Order Zombie will be coming back in 2024 as a zine. Uh, you know, I'm calling it a zine, but it's probably something that we're going to put out through Amazon that sort of thing. But yeah, that is something that we can expect uh, in 2024. I have been Jonesen, like really Jonesen, to revisit the Lucio Fulci zombie films after having worked at this haunt. Partly because some of the zombie makeup that's being done, the zombie characters that are being presented, kind of remind me of zombies from things like, well, zombie, or specifically The Beyond. Now, I don't know if these are movies that I can show my wife. They are pretty bloody, pretty gory. You know I took three semesters of human biology, including the corpse lab, right? It's not that. It's just that uh, I'm not going to get into it on Monster Kid Radio. It's not real, really appropriate, but it's it's pretty rough. But anyway, um, you know, there's even like a Lovecraftian touch to the beyond, sort of. It doesn't matter. Uh, Mail Order Zombie coming back in 2024 in some way, shape, or form. Probably a zine. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for more content with The Haunt and other things from me and Beth as we continue Monster Kid Radio from here in Kuwait. And stay tuned for Mark and Kenny. Cool? Cool. fiendish spectacle of shocking surgery as new life is given to a man already dead, a creature created in an operation of horror. Ah! <laughs> 
his most fiendish impulses to destroy? See, brain of blood, for the shocking answer. His body returned to its grave, but the brain was gone, living on in a madman's skull. Deep in the doctor's chamber of horrors, living victim supplied the serum for his experiments. So fantastic and unbelievable that you'll have to watch every moment of brain of blood to see for yourself. with the mind of a madman seeks vengeance. His body died. His brain was saved for the most unholy experiments. The brain of a dead man lives in a creature of horror. White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive-Thru Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty ultra heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, episode 38, when the star of Ultra shines. Original air date, December 24th, 1971. As was the case last week, there are major spoilers ahead. Planning to invade Earth, alien Knackle used monsters to study Ultraman's weapons. They taught and trained Black King and Bemstar and had them fight Ultraman. Not only that, they killed Aki and Kensakata to break his heart. Ultraman fell before Knackle's cruel methods, and his shackled body was transported to deep space. The aliens attack Space Station V-1 and disable Monster Attack Team with an electromagnetic wave. On a video call with MAT, alien Knackle demands unconditional surrender within 12 hours, revealing that they possess the high-explosive Saturn Z, and then proceed to destroy the space station. Captain Ibuki reasons that Knackle must have a base on Earth already, 
and sends Minami and Ueno to find it. This turns out to be ill-considered, as it leads to much of MAT falling under the hypnotic control of the aliens. Meanwhile, on planet Knackle, Ultraman awaits his final execution, when suddenly, the original Ultraman appears along with Ultra 7. Shin Hayata enlists the help of Dan Muraboshi to execute Operation Star of Ultra, which, if done properly, will resurrect their brother. Episode 38, the culmination of the Alien Knackle storyline, resulted in incredibly high ratings, and the show dominated its time slot for the rest of its run. Return of Ultraman at its growing popularity has even been credited with sparking the second kaiju boom in Japanese film and TV, leading directly to the creation of series like Kamen Rider and Power Rangers. One can only imagine the reaction young viewers must have had who had been raised on Ultraman and Ultra 7 to see the heroes combine their efforts in this way, accompanied by their iconic theme songs. Although hinted at at the finale of the first Ultraman series, the concept of a united Ultraverse begins to take full form here, and Subaraya Productions has leaned into these connections ever since. It's obvious, but still worth mentioning, that episode 38 makes it clear that the Ultraman of Return of Ultraman is not the original Ultraman after all. In pre-production, and even in the early part of the series, there was some ambiguity about his identity, but that is definitively removed, and for that reason, the retroactive decision was made to name this hero Ultraman Jack, although that name is never used in the series. One more note, in an excellent bit of forethought and planning, this episode concludes with Hideki Go reuniting with Jiro Sakata on Christmas Eve which is the date of its original broadcast on December 24th, 1971. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. He rose from the deathly silence of the tomb to bathe the world in blood. See grave of the vampire. So we fear the gods, demons, deny the horrible evil within himself. He is absolutely evil, cruel, horrifying in his lust of blood. Your blood. See grave of the vampire. The return of Count Yorga. The Death Master is back, and with him the hordes of nameless horrors he commands. The return of Count Yorga may be too violent for younger children. This is an encore presentation of a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland from MKR 466 from April of 2020. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland.
This week's movie, the infamous Dracula vs. Frankenstein, had a special place in the heart of famous monsters. Let's see why. The film was first mentioned in FM 80 from October of 1970. In the preview article, Future Fantastic Film Marvels, we see four pictures from the film, including one with Dracula and Frankenstein's monster holding copies of famous monsters, while editor Forrest J. Ackerman looks on. In these pictures, the film is captioned with the title Blood of Frankenstein, though the title of Dracula vs. Frankenstein is mentioned in a list of upcoming films including I Am Legend, Omega Man, Vampire Lovers, and Count Yorga Vampire, among 80 other titles, some that were probably never made and others that are today considered classics. Later on in the same issue, Blood of Frankenstein is given a closer look together with the film Horror of the Blood Monsters, the two share an article that is six pages long and includes five pictures from Dracula vs. Frankenstein. It begins in pun-filled glory typical of famous monsters. Theaters playing the latest monsterific duo of horror picks will be in the red. But literally, while the box office turns green with lettuce, the screen runs red with ketchup. Or is it? See Blood of Frankenstein and Horror of the Blood Monsters and decide for yourself whether you're seeing a mere motion picture or horrible reality. The article continues with a look at Horror of the Blood Monsters, which, like Dracula vs. Frankenstein, was directed by schlock author Al Adamson. Next is a look at our feature film. The other feature, Blood of Frankenstein, is in color, reunites Lon Chaney Jr. and J. Carol Nash, who made horror history in 1944 in House of Frankenstein, and was co-authored by none less than Sam Sherman one-time co-editor of our companion magazine, Screen Thrills. The picture also returns to the screen Angelo Rosito, the famous midget whose presence has added menace to many a great terror film of the past, and introduces Sandor Borkov as Count Dracula, and John Bloom, an actual seven-footer, as Frankenstein's monster. Forrest J. Ackerman, who was technical advisor on the film, also plays a cameo role as a scientist, who has the misfortune to run into the monster one midnight. A brief synopsis continues, which refrains from spoiling the end of the picture, but does have this detailed look at Foray's cameo. A scientist, Forrest Ackerman, who had worked on revivification of the Frankenstein monster years earlier, is alone in his car late one night, when the Prince of Darkness mysteriously materializes at his side. Dr. Beaumont is understandably shocked. He babbles, who, who are you? The pale, thin creature with the pointed black beard and hungry, beady eyes replies menacingly, I am known as the Count of Darkness, the Lord of the Manor of Carpathia. I am. Eyes widening in horrified comprehension, Dr. Beaumont completes his description. Dracula. More nervous than ever, he practically trips over his own tongue as he blurts out, I'll tell you what you want to know. I can be of great assistance to you. The monster's body is almost indestructible, but his heart, if his heart is destroyed at high temperatures, as Beaumont dares look directly at Dracula, he becomes hypnotized by the vampire stare. Dracula directs him to drive to where his dread destiny awaits him in the form of the Frankenstein monster. Screaming and writhing futilely, Dr. Beaumont is crushed to death in the incredibly powerful arms of the towering seven foot seven inch cadaver of destruction. The article concludes with this look at one of its famous stars. We got an advanced peek at the press book on Blood of Frankenstein, and courtesy of Sam Sherman, are permitted to pre-print this selection on one of the last of the greats who plays Groton. Don't call me Lon Chaney Jr. 
growls Lon Chaney Jr., currently starring in Blood of Frankenstein. Don't you think it's ridiculous for a man who's a grandfather several times over? Now Lon Chaney June, uh, Chaney, the younger, brings to the screen a powerful performance reminiscent of his unforgettable role as the dumb brute Lenny of, of Mice and Men, as he portrays a great hulking creature more brawn than brain in Blood of Frankenstein. Bringing thrills to the screen since 1932, today's Lon Chaney has rarely appeared with more chilling effect than as Groton in this modern monster movie where the undying monster meets the undead vampire. Is that all we see of this not-so-classic film in FM? Of course not. Nine issues later, on the cover of issue 89 from March of 1972, Xandar Vorkov's Dracula graces the cover. Inside is a Dracula vs. Frankenstein film book, so you can relive all the thrills and chills in a literary fashion. It is eight pages long and features 11 photos, including five from Forey's cameo and death scene. Even though this article came out 17 months after the preview, it appears the film is on the verge of being released. A new and maniacal movie is coming to your local movie theater soon from Independent International Pictures, Dracula vs. Frankenstein. This is the film that was originally announced to FM readers under the production title of Blood of Frankenstein. It's packed full of familiar faces and fiendish fright. 17 months later, Adamson really took his time to make sure his masterpiece was perfect. After yet another more detailed synopsis, the article concludes with this encouragement to see this film. Dracula vs. Frankenstein is a must-see for FM readers and it is packed full of unusual horror oddities. Editor Forey Ackerman, who was also technical consultant to the production, appears in the film as Dr. Beaumont and is the new Frankenstein monster's first victim. Victimized and frightened by Dr. Frankenstein's horror creations are beautiful Regina Carroll and Hollywood veterans Russ Tamblin, Jim Davis, and Anthony Isley. And in the mad Frankenstein's lab itself, seen for the first time in color by Deluxe, are some of the original high-voltage sparking machines used in the original Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein, all the creation of electronic wizard Ken Strickfaden. Adding to the atmosphere is a chilling old-time-style music score by William Lava, famed for his Great Republic serial music and music for Universal's Creature from the Black Lagoon series. Pick your choice for winner now. The contestants are deathly cold and can't warm up for their main event. Dracula vs. Frankenstein is a fight of fright. On a personal note, thanks to the book Shock It To Me, Golden Ghouls of the Golden Gate by Michael Monahan, I can tell you that Saturday, May 18th of 1974, 10-year-old Kenny watched Dracula vs. Frankenstein at 9.30 p.m. on Bob Wilkins' Creature Features. I have memories of the time that have never left me, like a horrifying nightmare you want to forget. Not because I was scared of the monsters, though, because I had a true taste of how bad a movie can be. I have never forgot. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters. We'll have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. about ghouls chased away by garlic and vampires shrinking from crosses. He kidnapped young girls and kept them chained. 
to give blood. Blood for her to bathe in and drink. And she bit them everywhere. No. And then she pushed white hot pokers into their faces. And when they parted their lips to scream, she shoved the flaming rod up into their mouths. Stop it. Blood. Beautiful red. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I killed no one. Again. It's difficult to forget. Ah, you will. After a while, it'll only be the remembrance of a bad dream. And then the remains of a remembrance. More and more faint in your mind. I have seen many a night fall away into an even more endless night. Nights like last night. Who do you think I am? A kind of ghoul? A vampire? Oh, no, my dear. If you think these ladies are something, wait until you meet Mother. She's something else. Trap into a nightmare of evil with Guess What Happened to Count Dracula? He's back from the grave to rule the satanic occult written world of today's mind-blown youth. Say it with someone you trust. Don't go. Why? Because I'm frightened, guy. You'll plunge into a nightmare of evil, thrills, chills, horror, terror, shock, panic, and violence, climaxing in an orgy of blood and death. Tonight is a special night of the Black Calendar. No one passing the dungeon this evening could begin to suspect the events it will hold. Guess what happened to Count Dracula will trip you into a blood-smeared torture chamber and you'll never get out. Let it go! Let it go! Let it go! Don't see it alone. <coughs> see it with someone you trust. Guess what happened to Count Dracula would blow your mind. Never before such blood-chilling terror, more terrifying than ever before. This is the picture that nightmares are made of. Guess what happened to Count Dracula is a supreme example of a top-notch motion picture thriller filmed in magnificent blood-dripping color. It will make you scream and shriek and gasp. Guess what happened to Count Dracula? Don't miss it. A Merrick International Picture. Rated GP. Now we are proud to announce he's here again, Zandor Vorkov with John Gilbert. Last year when we did this, 
Oh, what's going? <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to do stuff different uh, tonight, I'm sure, because we've been busy um, meeting and greeting you. Do you feel greeted? <laughs> so, do I? Am I heard? Am I heard? So, Zandor Vorkov was a name given to me by the guy you just saw crushed in the car. Fari Ackerman, a legend in his time. And uh, the Dracula character, it's a curiosity. And I, some of you may have heard this before, read it in different uh, interviews I've given. I was never a fan of horror. And um, I've since then become a great appreciator of folks like yourself. And it led me to under, try to understand what the allure is for a fictional character whose sole purpose is to take the life force. Blood is the life, as someone once said, Mr. Lugosi. And um, it's caused me to dive deeply into my own dark self over the years since I've been doing this. Sam Sherman, if you know that name, he is the producer and the writer the uh, screenwriter, and he's, just, he's a legend on this. He was Al Adamson's partner. Al's, uh, if you know the story, Al's no longer with us, nor is Gina, his wife, they departed. And so I'm left, in a sense, with carrying on a particular kind of legacy. Ron was kind enough to put a a shot of me on the website, his, the Monster Bash website, that took place the beginning of September, the Severn Sleepover Film Festival up in Indianapolis. And it was held in a tent, and the tent was open, and I was at the, much like this thing in here, I'm at the edge, but it was an open tent. So a guy kept pulling up with his little mini motorcycle, and, uh, Finally, I'm dressed like this, and he said, would you mind if I take a picture of you on my bike? I said, yeah, go ahead. So I'm sitting there, takes the picture, and people from Severn came over and took the picture, and then they sent it to me, and I sent it to a couple of friends of mine, and one response from a very uh, well-schooled uh, aficionado of horror, like yourselves, I assume, um, he said, this is a poster, and I went, bingo. Unfortunately, it didn't make it here in time, but if you've seen it, it I had written on it, Dracula Turns, which is the title of the story my writing partner and I created about a year ago that we're looking at to be a graphic uh, novel or a film. A number of people in the business have taken a look at this, and they said, this is so different than anything we've seen. You've got something here. I said, throw money at it then. <laughs> so I get the chance to meet and greet folks like yourself until the money comes. 
to make a film or a graphic novel. But the whole moral of the story I'm trying to get across is that we're living in a time that's a little different than Bella and Christopher Lee and those folks lived in. You know what's going on in the world. And so the premise of what my writing partner and the people I'm working with are about is that it's time for Dracula to turn. So the picture of me on the bike, if, has anybody seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be around, unfortunately. Yeah, you go on the Monster Bash website, you'll, you'll find it somewhere. Actually, it's on my website, which is uh, zandorvorkoff.com. And, and if you, um, I've got, God, what they call business cards on my table there, and you can pick one up. It's there. But there are four labels on the top, and uh, the one that says the Zandor Borkov, I forgot what it was, Plastic Fame Society. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, man uh, who was a friend of mine put it up, uh, the website up, and under the Plastic Fame Society, if you scroll down, there's the picture of me on the bike. But this, these are the times, the times are calling for this kind of change to let people see there's a different reality. It's not like it used to be for any of us, right? We make the best of it. I am so proud to be coming here. This is my second uh, invite back here because when Ron told me about it, he said it's like a big family and that's the experience I have of you all. And now I'm part of it. Thank you very much for all. If any of you have money to throw at this film, <laughs> I'd be glad to listen. Okay. Oh, it's a, quite a unique thing, and, and something will happen. You, you'll see it. It's a, it's a story that I think will touch a lot of people because oh, I was telling John before we came in here, uh, Dracula, of course, is the antagonist, but we've created, I'll just say, the divine Sophia who represents Mother Nature. And we have uh, a whole different perspective on what that looks like. And for the people in the know who read that, they said, this is, you've got something here. So hopefully you'll hear it first here and uh, it'll become, you know, keep, keep support that energetically and we'll all get to see it made. So, uh, Dracula Turns, that's the working title, and you'll hear more if you follow the Facebook and my website, because the people I'm working with are looking to create this kind of reality that we all have the planet we're looking for, and it's gotten way out of hand, but we're in the middle of a, of a great evolutionary process, and you're all smiling. We're very fortunate that we get to be here. You know what's going on in the world, we're the fortunate ones, you know? So, yeah. Questions, I'll give it to him. Uh, I just want to say, Xandor kindly allowed me to wear this cape tonight. So, in addition to everything else, all his new projects, you can find him on xandorborkov.com. He has his business cards there. But uh, would you be open to be like a uh, fashion consultant? On which? A fashion <laughs> consultant if other people were to reach out to you and. Sure! <laughs> <laughs> anyone have any questions? 
yeah, I, I was just reading it. You, you mentioned uh, Sherman, and I was just reading his book when Dracula met Frankenstein. He talked a little bit about the movie that the ending scene was filmed in New York. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm assuming the rest of it was California. The rest was shot in Hollywood in a small sound stage. Yeah. Uh, what interests me is that that's a long trip for a tight budget. Um, how did that happen? Did, did, you, did they fly go out? Did they? The film was finished, so people thought, and then it turned out the editor that they had in Hollywood had problems and it became real clear he didn't do a good job of it. I didn't know that I was back in New York and um, I got a call from Sam saying, you know, we got to redo the ending. It'll just be uh, you, me, and Gina, his wife. And you know a, a guy as big as John Bloom. Oh, John Bloom, John. <laughs> I'm getting Bishop John Bloom is the, the seven foot uh, Frankenstein, and, and John, uh, I, I'm getting my wires crossed. I haven't had much sleep. Anyway, the, the bottom line is they found this place up near Mayapec, New York, and uh, there was no dialogue, and it was just, uh, is it, everyone seen the movie? Yes. Oh, good. So you saw how the whole thing unfolded, and it was one of these quick shoots. It was a lot of fun, uh, and people say, "Well, who won?" And I, as I said last year, you know, I won, but ultimately I lost. <laughs> the sun came out, <laughs> so that's how that came about. One of the things I thought was interesting, and it's interesting sitting at the table with uh, Zandor, is people come up and. If you remember the makeup, you got a different makeup artist for the NC. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody who took a can of clown white makeup, like you see in the circus, and they uh, put that on my uh, face. I wasn't paying attention. I figured, you know, Al had it covered, and then they took black uh, eyeliner or something and made these things, and uh, the rest is history. So it's fun sitting at the table with him is people like a lot of us who saw it on TV in the late 70s. It was like prime Alice Cooper kiss time. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I was like, he's like a member of Kiss. But I always thought that was just me. But I sit there and there's so many people that come up and saw it like in, around the same time. And they made the same association. So I always thought that was very interesting that what was kind of like a, you know, a haphazard situation ends up totally fitting in with the whole pop, you know, rock thing that was going on in the late 70s. So you were just ahead of your time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good way of looking at it. And you know, it's possibly why folks who love the movie find it so endearing because it's so wacky. <laughs> yes, sir. In the Prankula vs. Frankenstein in the laboratory sequences, I understand those machines were actually have a great history behind them. Yeah. Strict fan. Yeah. And all of us here have always marveled at what 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 is it like to be on the set with those and to see them? I mean, do they? Uh, well, I'll answer your question. Some of you may have, I think it was asked uh, last year. Uh, when I came on, on the set for that, and it was humming and burping and doing whatever else it was doing, 
uh, whoever was on there said, Xander, get away from those. Those things are alive and you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it, was, it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen in the back, yes. The latest releases, they have that alternate ending. Is that the one that was messed up but you had been more done? You mean the end of the film? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All of you guys get cars to chase each other. Oh, the ending of the original film, um, I don't, yeah, you would like seen it, obviously. Um, we are in a small sound stage uh, off of Hollywood Boulevard, and a number of the scenes were shot in the alley and up and down the building. Jim Davis, who was the uh, father in Dallas or whatever that show was, he was the, the, the cop. And um, trying to remember this, at the very ending, the way the original thing was, I got slammed into, I guess it was either the cop or someone else drove me into a, like something like a, a water cooler or something, an outside thing, and it had a, a, a prong about his half the size of my arm, about as uh, wide as this, and slammed me against to impale me through the, the, my heart from, from the rear, you know. And uh, I guess when the investors saw that, they said, uh-uh, you know, and then Sam and Al decided to reshoot it, you know. So that coupled with the poor editing, I also thought that led to something, again, when I saw it late, and then people come up and said the same thing. So we saw the late 70s on TV. Since they changed the ending, that means they, they have to kill the protagonist. So you zap him when he's rain. So basically the good guy is running off with the girl, and then you just zap the good guy. And that was one of those things, and again, other people said the same thing. We've never seen that happen before. So once that happens, you're like, <laughs> yes, just like that. So once that happens, you're like, where is this movie going? Which, of course, leads to Dracula fighting Frankenstein. But still, that was a, a shocking moment. Did you just zap the big guy, he's ashes, and that's that. I was like, that's wow. Yeah. yeah. So these little tidbits make it the film that it is. And I, I, I think I may have mentioned it, but I wasn't a big fan of horror, if at all. And um, it's become something I have the greatest respect for now, you know, because it serves a purpose, and that's going to be part of the whole unfolding of Dracula Turns, because it serves a very meaningful purpose. I'll give you a hint. Instead of uh, men and women going out on the streets, doing what they're doing on the streets in violent ways, I've been told repeatedly that because of these kinds of films, whether it be Dracula films or, uh, or Wolfman or whatever they are, these horror films, people get to have that vicarious kind of feeling. And, and recently I did a performance up at Marquette University having nothing to do with Dracula that we added the Dracula aspect to it. And a man told, his personal story that he was bullied as a boy and all his friends that he hung around with, they have names, nerds and this and that, you know, basically 
anyone who's had a terrible um, childhood looks to pick on someone smaller or weirder than they are. And these uh, kids, from what this man told of his personal experience, uh, they went to these kinds of movies so they could feel some of the power they saw portrayed through these monsters. And suddenly the light went on and made it much clearer that uh, this is serving a purpose and has served a purpose for a while. I was constantly on the question of why are so many people so, uh, I mean, this, this uh, to my knowledge, the last thing I heard was there are 85 men who portrayed Dracula in a movie, not on Halloween or, you know, in a club or something. And why is that? It's the most uh, used role for any actor on the planet forever. And there has to be a social reason for that societal... Um, society calls forth that kind of stuff. And it's how we handle that if we do it like we're all doing here this weekend. It's like a, a fun time to be together, to meet people, uh, people you've seen in films, or, and have the interaction to find out we're real. I mean, I have all this hair. I have a, a barber who can't get the hair behind me straight. So I have a bald spot. How many vampires do you know? <laughs> we're real. We're real people, and we get to do in life what we're called to do. And we're the lucky ones sitting. We are the lucky ones. You know what's in the news today. You know exactly what's going on. And it's a spickle. It's just heartbreaking. I'm kind of cheering up even thinking about it. Anyway, ask another question. <laughs> Any questions? Yes, thank you. Sorry, gentleman in the back. Loud. What were you doing? Briar, so you can roll this back more on and try to rehearse this right and start and not get you on the. How did I end up getting the roll? What was the first part? Uh, what were you doing prior to the roll? I'm not here. What were you doing prior to the roll? What were you doing prior to your role? What were you doing before Dracula versus Frankenstein? What was I doing before that? I had gotten back from Vietnam. I was living in New York City and working in the music business in the record stores that friends of mine owned. And uh, someone um, who knew that I had family friends who had, uh, were on Wall Street and had money uh, said, you can earn some money by putting, you get a commission if you put uh, this person on Wall Street together with these two guys I know were we're looking to upgrade their film company, which was uh, Sam and Al. And so that's how it began. And I, they would come in, uh, from Hollywood and from, I think, Sam was in New Jersey or Long Island somewhere. And uh, we'd meet a couple of times and we'd talk about what was being envisioned. 
And then um, the third time, um, Al, who was a really go-getter, he's a basketball player, he's a sports guy, real energetic, and he's sitting there and he's like slumped over in his chair, and I said, what's wrong with you? And so Sam says, well, we lost Carradine. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, Carradine has played this role for us before. John Carradine, not in the father, not the young one. And he said uh, his agent or somebody else upped the, up the money. And, you know, as you know, low-budget films are named that for a reason. And uh, all of a sudden, Al looks at me and he goes, he'll do it. <laughs> I'd never told him I'd all my horror films. Sam says, what do you mean he'll do it? Nobody knows him, they know Carity. He says, no, no, I have a feeling about this. And boy, was he right. He's very right. This is the, they made something like 34 films. And if you see, uh, Severin's uh, David Gregory, who was a great filmmaker, he, he did a documentary on Al, and uh, if you see that, you see what it takes to make a film, um, and I'm trying to get to the point here, that was my train of thought again. I have had about uh, three hours sleep in the last two days. Um, Bear with me. I don't want to leave you hanging, but I will. <laughs> if it comes back to me, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's Flesh and Blood, right? The documentary that Severin did? Say it again. Flesh and Blood? Is that the name of the documentary? Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. And uh, I think Severin has it. It's a really good film. Has anybody seen that? Yeah, it's great. It's called Blood and Flesh. Is it Blood and Flesh? Blood and Flesh. Blood and Flesh, thank you. Yeah, it's great. Very good. Oh, people in the orange shirts are good. They're coming to take you I'm sorry, I have a special announcement to make. It's just like 1971, all over a gamsel door. It's Dracula versus Frankenstein. Uh -oh. Oh. Oh, my. Oh. Oh. <laughs> John, are you <laughs> wait a minute, I think Ursula's here. Wait, wait! Oh. I think it's a peace offering. It's not going to be a fight. It's a peace offering. You're going to hit me with a box of chocolate? It's a box of
For the work that these folks do here with your support volunteer types, I, I put forth before we make my film that you take up a collection and send them on a, a, a cruise somewhere. They, <laughs> my question is, you know what the biggest question I have? When do you sleep? <laughs> I got a little vampire blood in me too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for sticking around. And thank you for allowing us the time that we needed to uh, kind of stretch our legs after flying halfway around the world and get set up here in Kuwait. Monster Kid Radio should be back onto a pretty regular schedule moving forward. I've got some conversations from Steve Turek. He's taken over as guest host with some conversations with some people that you've heard in the past, including Kevin Slick. And if my memory is correct, we're going to keep the vampire vibe going because Kevin Slick and Steve Turek spoke recently about the original Dracula, Bela Lugosi's 1931 bonafide classic. And that's what you're going to hear next week here on the show. Of course, if they want, Kenny and Mark have a spot here as well. And then maybe I'll even ask Beth to join me to talk a little bit about where we are on the haunt next week as well. If you want to know anything else about Monster Kid Radio, follow me over at monsterkidradio.net. You're going to find links to our Facebook page and group, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, our Patreon, and everything else we have going on. You're going to find links to everything that we've talked about here on the show over there as well. Also, please consider using the Amazon affiliate link. I know we're getting close to the time of year where people start buying presents for everybody. If you're shopping at Amazon, I know it's kind of last minute at this point, but if you're shopping at Amazon, please consider going to Amazon through our Amazon affiliate link. It's the Frankenstein silhouette with the big A on it. Just click on that. It takes you to the Amazon page as normal. Do all your shopping after you've clicked on that and we get like a penny or two out of every hundred bucks you spend. I don't think Jeff Bezos is going to miss it, but we really could use it. So please consider supporting us that way. Also, please share this episode with your friends on all of your social medias. And like I said, next week-ish, Kevin Slick and Steve Turek talking about Dracula. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Happy holidays, everyone. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-attribution, share alike, blah, 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 whatever license. I don't have it in front of me. I can't read it off. Anyway, that's it. This is Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.